praise the Lord. And so we're going to be looking at Ephesians in chapter number 6 and verse 3 uh, this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 3. If you have your Bibles, turn in there. Uh, and Paul the Apostle gives a clear instruction uh, to families, to godly families. And there's a godly order that he places, puts in place uh, for godly homes. And this is what we see here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, the preceding passage before this, in chapter 5, uh, uh, from verse uh, 12 onwards, you will find that it is all about husbands and wives. And then continuing on after that, Paul the Apostle writes about children and parents and then goes on to talk about slaves and masters. So this is uh, typically uh, what is called as a household text. Um, and as in the book of Ephesians, in the letter of Paul to the Ephesian church, where he's revealing uh, the master plan of God, which is uh, the church, which is uh, God's plan for this age and calls it as the household of God. It's not an organization. Uh, it is not a corporation like uh, an, or an institution like the institutions or the corporations or the uh, companies that you, industries that you find in the world here. Um, we have many of them where they have structures, leadership structures. You have uh, systems in place and it functions and performs and it achieves a certain target. Now, that's not how a family is, and that's not what a household is. But a family is all about a relationship. And we together as God's people, as a household of God, we are one big family, a family of many families together. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we are uh, uh, one family where God is our Heavenly Father, and we are His children. And uh, for every one of us... Uh, God has placed us in homes and families. The Bible says that he places the lonely in families. And for every uh, family, uh, there is um, a composition of a father, mother, uh, and uh, children and parents, husband and wife. And uh, in this wonderful, beautiful uh, relationship as a, of a family, uh, together we glorify God. And this is God's plan. And the first institution that he ever created itself was a family. He made man and he said it is not good for man to be alone and he gave him a wife and then he blessed them. He blessed this uh, couple, husband and wife and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and he blessed them with the gift of children. Amen. So uh, whether you like it or not, whether uh, probably your uh, family situation is difficult or whatever it might be, the truth, the reality is that God has initiated family and it is God's awesome plan and God has given you as a gift for your parents. Amen. The Bible says that the children are a heritage of the Lord. And uh, so as families, we recognize that we are uh, in the central center of God's plan. This was God's agenda. This was God's idea. It was not a man's idea. Sometimes it in some families, it's very difficult. Uh, situations are not so good. Relationships are not so fine. Uh, sometimes it is not as 
it is in other homes and sometimes it hurts, sometimes it is painful. And sometimes we wonder how I wish it, my family or my home was like some other home or some other family. Yes, it is true, but you, uh, even though you have probably had a difficult phase in your life, or probably as a um, child, uh, maybe it was not so good, it was not so pleasant, but I believe that God has created you with a plan and a purpose. And one day, whether you're, uh, in case if you're not yet married, probably you're a young child, you know, one day God will help you to establish a home and establish a family according to God's pattern and God's principles. Hallelujah. And so where you can, if you're a young person, a young man, you can grow up to reflect you know, the heart of the Father God and uh, and live the life like your Heavenly Father for your children. Be like the Heavenly Father for your children. Maybe you missed that as you were growing up, but you can be a father uh, that God wants you to be, uh, you know, sometime. Or if you are a young lady, young uh, girl, one day as you grow up, you know, probably you didn't have a good home. It was not very uh, ha a very happy home. It was probably, you know, a, a place where you struggled through as you were growing up, you know. But I want you to know that your Heavenly Father loves you. And one day you can establish a home and a family where uh, you can be that mother that God uh, wants you to be and the way God wants, you know, godly mothers to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so sometimes we can be looking back and be grieving or looking back and be troubled. But you can look forward to something that God can do through you as well. And that will bring great joy and happiness in the way you would be investing your life into your family. Amen. Hallelujah. And by doing that, whatever the devil might have done against your family in the past, you could overcome that and you can put the devil to shame by establishing a God, godly family. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And, and, and by all of those things that you have been through, probably the struggles, probably the difficulties, probably the loss, probably the pain, everything, God can use all of that for good so that you know how best you can cherish and love and bring up your family in the days to come. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And God never does anything by mistake. God never allows any situation without a reason. It is all for good and he will work out everything for good even in the midst of all the evil and all the difficulties that we've been through. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Having said that, we thank God for every father and, uh, you know, and every mother. And the Bible says, gives us a clear instruction of how children ought to respond to their parents. And how, what is this godly order within the family? Right there you see in Ephesians 6, 6 and verses 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. As children, God wants us to honor our fathers and our mothers. Sometimes you may have, some of you may have fathers or mothers who are not yet saved, who do not yet know the Lord Jesus as their personal savior in their life. Probably there are even some sinful habits in their lives. Probably you know that they are not in the right path in the biblical way. And But even it may be so, even though it may be so, you are not uh, to, you know, in any way 
dishonor them or disobey them or uh, see them in a different way, in a disrespectful way. As children, everyone, uh, every child is called to honor their fathers and their mothers. And every child has to obey their parents. Amen. But clearly the scripture talks about obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, but of course, if there is something that in their ignorance, probably they might say something that is not according to the will of God or not according to uh, in, uh, the biblical principles or the teachings of scripture. Uh, sometimes out of ignorance, some of them you know, do certain things that is not right and probably they even want their children to do that. But in those situations, maybe you can say this is not right and maybe you might refrain from doing that. Maybe you are a child of God and it's difficult for you to go and bow down to something which you don't believe is God. Maybe you will not do that. In those aspects, maybe you might uh, uh, disobey them. But that is to honor God. Um, yes, God first and then our earthly fathers and mothers and our parents. That's how God has put, um, you know, put the order, you know, in the, in the teaching of scriptures. Now, we need to understand that, you know, God wants us to love him first and honor him first. Now, in our culture today, in the um, uh, system of the world, in the belief system of the world that we live in, um, we have what is called as, you know, Mada Pida Guru Devam. But that's not the biblical order. It's God first and then parents a family and then you know everything else and everyone else amen so let's get the biblical order right and not go by the culture of the world and we are not supposed to worship our parents in our culture we have that as a very very uh, uh, honorable thing to do yes we honor them we respect them we love them uh, but we are not uh, to worship because worship is only uh, to be given to God amen, amen. hallelujah amen. we never fall at their feet uh, to worship them. And even sometimes we find uh, where uh, some who, uh, elderly parents who have gone on, uh, you know, passed away from this world and uh, some of them have pictures of them in their homes. It's totally fine. But but some of them go and worship them or some of them in times of need, you know, uh, they go and talk to them. Uh, we can't speak to the dead. Uh, speaking to the dead is not biblical uh, and neither do we worship or talk to them. You know, so we need to be careful that we don't do these things, uh, you know, which are very much uh, prevalent uh, as cultural practices uh, in the world where we live. But we are called to worship God and honor our parents and respect and obey and love them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is the first commandment. The Bible says with a promise. Um, now. It says that so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. If everything has to go well and we need to be blessed with long life, it's necessary that we honor our fathers and our mothers. And if you read through the book of Proverbs, you find Solomon, you know, writing so much about how to keep or listen to the instruction of the fathers and the mothers. It's necessary that we uh, listen to the instruction. Uh, many, many uh, times as we grow up, sometimes we can find ourselves uh, becoming slowly a little disobedient and rebellious and saying, oh, I know what to do. You don't have to tell me what I have to do. Uh, sometimes it can get a little difficult, uh, you know, uh, humbling ourselves and obeying uh, our parents. But it's always good to listen to them because the Bible wants us to listen and obey them. Amen. Hallelujah. It's it it it. it 
It is only wisdom to us. It gives us wisdom. Uh, very often, uh, we do not know how to live life. Very often, we do not know how to take the right decisions. Very often, uh, we probably are blind to the uh, dangers out there. Sometimes, we do not know, you know what can happen you know, as a result of some of the uh, choices that we make. We do not know the consequences, but, but with experience and with the knowledge of you know, seeing the world out there and have uh, having been through these days. And uh, remember, they, they've also been one uh, young at one time and they have matured and they've grown and they've learned life and they've been through the hard, uh, you know, process of life and they've lesson, learned the lessons of life. And so it's necessary for us to listen to them and uh, give heed to their instructions and their correction and their discipline because that will be wisdom for us. So that will save us from, you know, going the hard way and learning our lessons the hard way and then turning uh, back to the right path uh, it is always good that we you know pay attention to their words and their uh, way of life and we follow that amen hallelujah let's go on to uh, read in that passage which talks about an instruction to the fathers here nextly in verse number four fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I find two things here that the Apostle Paul is writing to the fathers uh, in establishing godly homes. Why we need to establish godly homes is because the Lord wants us to do so firstly. And secondly, by doing that, we glorify God. And thirdly, by doing that, we reflect the heart of God because God is a God of love and God has uh, you know, in the community uh, of the Trinity, there is unity and God wants us to be united as families, as husbands and wives, children and parents. God wants us to be united. And even within the Trinity of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, there is perfect harmony and love and unity within the community of the Trinity. And so within us, among us, God wants us to be united and be loving. And uh, even as God is a relational being, he has also created us uh, with the aspect of relationship where we are relational beings, where we ought to share love and uh, respect with one another and where we find a godly order here. Now, look at verse number four. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, you find uh, on one side, Paul is giving an instruction of do not exasperate your children or do not embitter them and do not make them angry. Do not break them, uh, but love them. He wants them to love them. You know, it's a call to love the children, not, uh, yes, discipline, but at the same time, love them. And instead of bringing them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord, in other words, to lead them. Uh, two things I find here, one is to love, another to lead. That's one of the primary roles of a father. We're not talking about the role of the husband here. Uh, you know, that's a different matter that we will talk about uh, at a different time. We're talking about the aspect of being a good father, being the kind of father that God wants every father to be. Now, I'm also speaking this as Stephen said, you know, uh, he's getting nightmares already thinking about, you know, how he would work out, work it out to be a father one day. But, you know, <laughs> but yes, it's good that he talked about it because, you know, even for many of you young people, probably many of you are in your marriageable age and uh, uh, probably very shortly you would definitely be married. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't doubt about it. That's for sure. It will happen someday, suddenly. 
you know, it will come. Uh, and then once you marry, the next thing um, that will soon happen or very shortly happen, and probably Reggie will agree with me, uh, is that you would have something like that, you know, sitting in your lap, a beautiful baby, you know. And she's celebrating a birthday today, isn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So very quickly, you know, before you back your eyelid, you will be having uh, someone on one shoulder and, uh, and a little, uh, you know, a few more years down the line, you know, your hands will be full and overflowing, you know. So you would wish that how I wish I had more hands, you know. So that's how, you know, life will quickly turn out to be. But then the good thing is that one day you will also be a father, a father for those of you young men. And for those of you young ladies out there, you will be mothers, you know, sometime uh, down the line. But what God wants us to learn right away, it's good to learn these things. Because as fathers, God wants us to be loving and leading. Amen. Hallelujah. Every father can say it out, loving and leading. Loving and leading. Hallelujah. Some of them love but don't lead. Some of them lead but don't love, love enough. I will not say don't love, but maybe don't love enough. All right. So we need to have both in place. We need to be loving fathers and leading fathers. Amen. The fathers, primarily the protector, the provider, the uh, priest of the family. The one who uh, leads the family. The one who instructs and trains the children in the way of the Lord. And so Paul the Apostle calling the fathers not to exasperate the children. Not to embitter them. Make them angry. Not to break them. Uh, but actually to love them. In other words, he wants them to be there. He wants them to uh, you know, express love. He wants them to you know, be there and lead them. And very often we find fathers very, very busy. You know, I'm sure that no father would say that I'm not busy at all unless if you're retired, uh, you know, and at home and you have time. But uh, all of you who are working, all of us, you know, have so much of responsibilities, so much of uh, demands at workplace, so much of travel to do, so much of, um, uh, you know, things to be done out there in the world. And then your time at home is always a challenge. But God wants you to spend time with your family. Your primary role as a human being, uh, you know, next to be a child of God is to be a good father. As God blesses you with children. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, it's to be a good husband and a good father. A godly husband, a godly father. And uh, God wants us to not just be disciplining our children alone, but loving them. That's what he is essentially saying. That don't be just about discipline, but be loving. Do not exasperate them, uh, but express love to them. Fathers must not miss their role to love and lead their children and leave it to their wives. And that's what most often happens. Very often the fathers are simply absent. You know, they are so busy in the world. They're so busy with others. They're so busy, you know, uh, running around doing everything for everybody. And especially those fathers who are good at doing things, getting things done. You know, uh, somebody calls, uh, a friend calls and says, you know, my father-in-law passed away. And you're right there, you know, fixing things up and doing, getting things done. And uh, your colleague says, my daughter is getting married and I'm going to go fix that hall for my daughter's wedding. And immediately you're out there and you're helping, you know, everything get organized. 
You run around for all kinds of things for everybody. But very often, many fathers are missed by their children very much. It's important that we, you know, take time to be with our children and spend time with them. Because these years that you have them uh, with you very closely and the time, especially where they are growing up, they're growing up years, they're formative years. It's necessary that we as fathers are there with them, loving them, leading them, guiding them, teaching them, encouraging them, approving them. And, 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 and if you find, in, you find today uh, in the Western world because of single, parent, single parents, uh, and the absence of the fathers and very often the fathers either leave the families uh, for somebody else or uh, uh, or under some kind of, um, uh, you know, wrong uh, kind of a lifestyle that takes them, you know, to jail or something like that. You know, and many, many homes, probably there's some statistics that says that about 60% uh, of uh, families uh, in the Western world are, you know, children are growing up in single parent uh, homes and very often with the mothers and that uh, that affects the child that affects the children uh, it's different if the if the father has passed away is gone to be uh, with the Lord it's, that's a different situation but these are where dysfunctional homes broken homes uh, these are situations which affect children very badly and though and whatever they suffer they also continue to carry it on to the next generation uh, very sadly and so it's necessary that fathers must not miss their role to love and lead their children and they must not leave it over to their wives and mothers of course do share in the responsibility primarily along with the husband to be building up the children's lives but there is a created order where God has placed the husband to be the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. And the same way so the husband, the father is the head of the home uh, over the children is a spiritual covering over the family. And as husbands and as fathers, you have the primary responsibility of loving and leading your family and your home. And, and uh, husbands are entrusted with a primary task. Uh, the fathers are entrusted with this primary task of leading the family and they are to be responsible heads of the families. Uh, you don't say, you know, I'm busy earning all the money. You take care of everything else. Yes, on practical side, maybe uh, you don't have to do all the, sh you don't have time to do all the shopping and you're probably your wife uh, is very skillful and, uh, you know, she carries your credit cards and so she can handle the shopping side of it. You know, um, for some practical reasons, maybe uh, you may not be available to do certain things. But when it comes to the important moments uh, and times where you have to be there, you have to be there sacrificing everything else as a father. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, uh, what uh, your child, you know, cannot get anywhere else, can on, they can only get in, in the home and only with you. Amen. They can never have someone else as a father for them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can only be the only father for them and nobody else can actually be their father the way you can be there for them. And while, you know, you can be doing everything else and you can assume that they are well taken care of and you can say, you know, I'm earning a lot of money. I'm, I've, I've got them an iPad. I got them, a, uh, you know, I got them PS4, you know. 
uh, I, I got for them, uh, you know, a computer, I got for them a mobile phone, uh, I got for them, uh, you know, 4G connection, I got for them all the toys, I got for them a bike, I got them a car, I got them everything. You know, I got, uh, I, I set up a separate room for them, for them to have fun and enjoy. You can do everything, you can provide all the material things, but yet nothing can replace your presence, your conversation, your listening to them and your input and the advice and the approval and, and everything that you can shower over their lives. Hallelujah. The way you can hug them that no one can replace and give them that. Amen. So it's necessary that as fathers and those who would be fathers shortly, I want you to know that, you know, you are very important for your children. And uh, if you don't, if they don't get a good teacher, you can find another good teacher for them. If they don't have a good school, you can find another good school for them. But, you know, only you can be their father. Nobody else can be the father for them. And so... While children obey and while parents and fathers love and lead their children, there's a blessed home that is being built up. There's a believing home that is being built up. There's a godly home that is being built up and God will bless that home. And go on to read in Exodus in chapter number 20. And let's read verses 5 and 6. We turn to Exodus and chapter 20. And let's read verses 5 and 6. Could somebody read it out loud for us? You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love for thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Yes, God is in the first few commandments that He had given them, there itself He says, you know, how they ought to be careful not to bow down to anything else. But only worship the Lord our God and live a life that will be exemplary. And he's calling them to do that so that, uh, why? Because uh, he's a jealous God and he would punish the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the, third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. But for those fathers, those parents who would love God. And would follow his commands. He would bless them even for a thousand generations. And maybe you have parents who did not know God. But now in your generation. You came to know the Lord Jesus as your personal savior. And you begin to order your life according to the teachings of scriptures. And what begins to happen is from your generation onward. You know the blessing begins to come upon the generations to come. And it will stay on even for a thousand generations hallelujah because you've chosen the lord because you follow the lord because you live your life according to the teaching of scriptures and because of that god begins to bless your generations to come the point here is that you know whatever we do in our generation will have its implications on the next generation and the generations to come amen and so it's important that we uh, you know make sure that we are doing the right things good things in order for generations to come to be blessed now you find that in some cases where in certain generations at certain times maybe probably in a property division issue or something like that where one person one uh, sibling cheated another sibling what happens sometimes is that 
you know, they come under a curse because they did something uh, in an unlawful manner or in an unethical way. There's some injustice they did to somebody else. And you see that generationally, there is a curse that comes upon the generations because of some of the wrong things that they did, because of some of the injustices that they, that they did. You know, that affects the children, that affects the children's children also. And God is a God who does that. But if a generation will repent, and if a generation will turn back to God, and if a generation will give their lives over to God and begin to live the way they ought to live according to the biblical pattern, then the curses will be cancelled and the blessings will begin to flow upon their lives and the generations to come. Hallelujah. God is the one who turns the curses into blessings. Hallelujah. When we turn and give our lives over to Him. And so it's necessary that we understand that our lives matter. You don't say that, oh, it doesn't matter however I live my life. You know, as long as I'm training my children the right way, I discipline them, and I bring them up in the right way, that's enough. No, it's not true because whatever, you know, goes on in our lives and the way we live our lives does have an effect on our children as well. And so God wants us to be uh, good fathers and, uh, you know, what happened uh, in the life of Noah, you all know, uh, Stephen already quoted that. If you read with me in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, the Bible talks about, you know, Noah there as one of the, um, you know, great champions of the faith. If you see in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7, you read, by faith, Noah. When warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. Now he was able to save his family because of his righteousness. The whole generation in Noah's time perished. Everybody born in the world and who was alive at that time perished. By the flood waters that came upon the earth. Because God was angry with the wickedness of the people of the earth. But there was one man who was righteous. One man who was holy. One man who heeded to the voice of God. And because of him, he and his household were saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody in that, you know, in that generation did not know that there were flood waters were coming and that would swallow them up. They did not believe that. Noah was preaching. Noah was telling them, warning them. But yet they did not listen. They could not understand. They did not comprehend. These, as generations went by, they went into sin. And the Bible says that the Lord found that the, uh, you know, heart of man is always evil. And he wanted to punish them. And, but yet there was one man, Noah, who stood up for righteousness, who was probably mocked, who was probably ridiculed, who was looked down upon. But because of his righteous life, he saved his family from the destruction that came by. Hallelujah. You as a father can save your family from the destruction of the evil one. Hallelujah. From the destruction, from the punishment that God can send upon a generation. You can save your family if you live a righteous life, if you live a godly life, if you seek the Lord. And you as a husband, as a father, has a 
a primary role of leading the family, of loving the family and, and serving God and seeking God and, and being a good example. And that is what the family will follow. You know, never give your responsibility over that over to your wife. And many, in many, many homes, unfortunately, what happens is this godly order is messed up. What happens is the wife begins to lead and takes on the role of the husband, takes on the role of the father. And, and that's not the biblical pattern. You know, and, and whatever the wife, you know, thinks and feels and says and does and whatever she dictates and, you know, everything she, she leads and she's there. And the husband is somewhere in the background. The father is somewhere, you know, behind the scenes. Nobody knows what he thinks. Nobody knows what he will say. Nobody knows... You know, nobody consults with him for any decision. He he does not take the leadership. And, and very often in such homes, you will find major casualties. Unfortunately, you know, uh, such casualties happen. You know, recently, you know, I heard, you know, where uh, uh, there was a proposal of a wedding that had come in a family. And uh, so the whole family had gone to, you know, uh, the other party's house to explore and see if, the, uh, you know, if this uh, young person would be a suitable life partner for their child. And so while they went there, uh, the father actually discovered that his wife had come there to fix the marriage while he thought they were just going to see and explore if this is going to be a suitable partner for our child or not. He learned that his wife actually came to fix the wedding while he thought that they were going to actually go and see if this will be a suitable partner for their child. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, isn't that a very, very important, crucial decision where the husband and wife, the father and the mother will sit together and will talk and will understand about everything and, and take the right decision. You know, it is necessary that they flow with oneness and unity in the spirit so that they will go with oneness of mind and be able to take the right decision. But here it so happens that the father has taken the back seat and the father is simply absent, uh, you know, all the time. He's never there, you know, taking the lead. And the, and the wife, the mother, you know, completely ignores the leadership of the husband and does not consult with him or talk to him and does not you know, would not ask him for decisions, would not go to him for wisdom and would not talk through things along with her husband. She completely, you know, despises the husband, does not respect her husband. And because she does not consider him of any value in the family, she takes all the lead. And here, you know, this was such a big surprise for the father right there in the home of the other party when they were going and talking about marriage. And he discovers that, oh, the wife actually had come to fix the wedding. And so he had to say, oh, thank you for giving, you know, your child in marriage for our child. And so he had to smile and blush and come back home. He had to put on a nice, you know, good front face. Are you listening to me? This, this will result in casualties. And it did result in a big casualty. And I'm not going to go into the details of that. Let's move on from, you know, Hebrews chapter 11. So, fathers, don't, don't run away from your responsibility. Be there to love your children. Be there to take care of them. Be there to lead them. Be there to lead your family. The relationship, you know, it all flows out. Number one, as father, we're talking about father's love. It talks about, 
your relationship with your heavenly father it all matters about that if your relationship with your father in heaven is intact if that is good you will be a good father to your children because unless we have the right relationship with our father in heaven we will really not really know and experience and learn what it is to be a heavenly father now it's necessary that our, your relationship with the father in heaven is very important why do i say that read with me in 1 john chapter 3 and verse 9 verse 1 1 john chapter 3 and verse number 1 see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of god and that is what we are the reason the world does not know us is that it did not it did not know him now it talks about how the heavenly father has lavished his love on us and then and by that we experience what it is to be a father we experience his love and while we experience as children as we are called his children we experience the love of the father in heaven by that relationship we are filled with his love where do we give get the capacity to love how do we learn how to love and love involves forgiveness love involves patience love involves kindness love is not just a word of emotion and very often love is the most misunderstood and abused word in the uh, in the you know in the world out there you know everybody says i love you and you know on february 14 everybody says i love you to each other you know and the same fellow who said i love you and gave a red rose on that day after 3 months down the line after he got married you know he will he will say why did i why did i marry you <laughs> he will say i hate you love is the most abused misunderstood word in the world today and the, the way it is understood also the way it is used Uh, and the way it is thought to be is so wrong but love is actually an action word love is a an action word love is to give love is to you know extend love it's not just to uh, of course we can say of course you know you can feel loved in you know that is the emotional side of it as well but it is not just as simple as that but it is an action word where it is willing to be willing to sacrifice the bible says that jesus loved us by sacrificially giving himself for us and so the apostle paul says that's how husbands ought to love your wives sacrificially amen hallelujah and so a person really experiences what it is to love only when that person is filled with the love of god in their lives if they are in a loving relationship with their father in heaven they will be good fathers hallelujah amen we learn to love by our love relationship with our father in heaven and so i call upon every father in this place that you will begin to love god with all your heart mind soul and strength that you will experience the love of the father in your in your life personally that you will have a living and a loving and a dynamic relationship with the father in heaven that's your primary calling you need to be loving your father your children and if you need to be loving your children you need to be in a loving relationship with your father in heaven you need to experience 
what it is to be his child. And as you do that, what will happen is you will be able to be a good, good father. Amen. You will experience his goodness in your life. You will experience his forgiveness in your life. You will experience his leading in your life. And you will know how you are to be leading and loving your children. Amen. Hallelujah. And so it comes out of a vibrant, living, dynamic relationship with your heavenly father. If your relationship with your father in heaven is not all right, you will not be able to be a good father to your children. You will not be the kind of father that your heavenly father is. And I believe that none of us can be good fathers without being like our heavenly father. Amen. Because there's no one like him. Hallelujah. Because there's no father like him. But if you will, you know, come to know his heart and you will be able to reflect his heart in your family. And that will make it to be a very good, godly, happy family. In your relationship with our, if your relationship with your father is intact then you will be filled with his love. And out of that realization and that experience, realizing that I am a sinner saved by grace, and you become sensitive to reflect that love to your children in the same way the Lord loved you and he has embraced you. And his love for us becomes a benchmark for us to follow. His love for you and the way you experience his love on a day-to-day -day basis becomes a benchmark, becomes a pattern, becomes a model, becomes a way that you want to reflect your love to your children. It firstly begins with your relationship with your father in heaven. And then it's important that you take steps to build your relationship with your children. Remember, they are a heritage of the Lord. Remember, they are not, they just don't belong to us. They are the Lord's gifts to you. Your children are the gift of the Lord to you. Read with me in Psalm 127 and verse number 3. Psalm 127 and verse 3. The Bible says that children are a heritage of the Lord. From the Lord. Offspring, a reward from Him. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from Him. They are God's own property. They don't belong to us completely. They've been entrusted in our hands as gifts. So that we will love and lead them. They have given to us so that we will steward them in the right way. And we will shape their lives in the right way for his purpose and for his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Children are a heritage from the Lord. And they are from him. They are his property. And so we got to be careful as to how we handle them. It's important that we do that primary task of handling them well. Even while the Apostle Paul is writing to uh, Timothy and to Titus. And he, he's writing to the leaders who lead the church. Overseers, deacons, those who want to you know, serve the Lord. He tells them, if a man will not manage his own family well, how can he lead God's church? And so, you know, it's even more important than ministry. That, that's a real truth. And many, many fathers sometimes have even sacrificed their children on the altar of ministry. And they, they quote the example of Abraham and Isaac. And they say, Isaac was offered as a sacrifice on the altar. And so I offer my children as a sacrifice on the altar of ministry. You know, that was a different context. God was testing it, his faith. And so what has happened is that they have completely ignored their families and their children and they were they sold their lives for the ministry and finally while the you know home was burning they were trying to put out the fire all over the city 
So that's something that we need to be careful that we don't, you know, sacrifice, uh, you know, everything. Of course, there is a sensible balance that we need to, you know, have practically where we can't be sitting at home all the time, 24-7. But of course, at times where we have to give time, at times where we have to pay attention, we have to be giving time, paying attention because these are God's property and we better handle them well. And when you, when God, you know, when he has entrusted you, entrusted you with your children and you handle them well and you do a good job in raising them up in the fear and the knowledge of God, in the ways of God, and God will give you more spiritual children to lead as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Also read with me in Ezekiel chapter 16. And let's read verse number 20. Ezekiel chapter number 16. And let's read verse 20. Some of the idols we could be sacrificing our children to can be for can be money. Some of the idols we could be offering as sacrifices, offering our children as sacrifices, can be our friends. Who can become idols? Some of the you know idols we could be sacrificing our children to today can be for many many other things where we pay so much attention to that and we don't bring them up in the fear and the knowledge of God. And so it's necessary that we give our first attention to God and and our attention to our families. It's necessary that we shape them well. That we need to recognize, as it says that you know, as God says, you know, that they were. You know, that you bore to me. You took your sons and daughters whom you bore to me. When you bear a child, you bear your child for God. Hallelujah. You bring forth a child into this world for God. They are His. Amen. And today we also live in a culture, in a world where, you know, at once upon a time it was said, we two hours two, then it became we two hours one. Now it's going on we two hours none. Uh, and then after that, sometime, you know, now in many parts of the world, it's not even we two. You know, we single. <laughs> I, me, myself, we are the three persons who live together. <laughs> I, me, myself. That's the kind of mentality with which people want to live. They don't want responsibility. They want love. They want fun. They want pleasure. And so they want to live in with somebody, have fun, enjoy life, and then have the best of the company, and then just dump them and walk away without any responsibility. That's the kind of life that people are living today. And this kind of a culture, it's important that we don't follow the culture of the world. And many a times, many couples who are, you know, who are married said, we don't want to have children. We don't want to have children for the next five years because we want to get the visa processing done first. And then we will have the children. First, we will, you know, invest into our house. And then we will have children. And then the first child that was born was a girl. And so they said, oh, we will have no more children because what happens if the next one also becomes a girl? And they're calculating dowry and wedding expenses already. Well, the first one is only eight months old. <laughs> Serious. Seriously, that's true. 
So to say no and to reject and say we don't want to have children is throwing back on God what gift God wants to give you. Let's don't do that. Amen. The blessing of God is to be fruitful and to multiply. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so let's understand the biblical teaching of scripture very carefully. And so let's function accordingly. And you see how the father uh, embraces the son who went away, who wandered, who squandered all his wealth, who went and spent everything with wild living. And uh, one day it came to, he came to his senses. You know, when he came to his senses, if you read in Luke 15, verse 17, the Bible says when he ran out of food and when he was hungry and he couldn't get even the parts that were fed to the pigs, when he couldn't get it to eat, he thinks of how his servants, the servants in his father's house had so much excess and he came to his senses when he became hungry. When he came to a point of need, he, became, he came to his senses and sometimes... You know, for children who go away from the Lord, who go away from the families, who go uh, uh, the wrong path, God will bring them back. You know, but it's important that we build our homes as loving homes where we are good fathers, loving and leading them. And God will bring them one day. God will bring them to their senses one day. Hallelujah. At, at some time, they will go out of their senses. They might have gone out of their senses. They might have lost their senses. And you wonder and you think, what has gone wrong with this fellow? What has happened to her? What has gone wrong into her? What has got into her? It looks like some kind of a demon has entered her. You know, that's how you might think. But one day God will bring them to their senses. And then not, you know, the need, sudden need that he became desperate, where he didn't know which way to turn. That's when he came to his senses. In verse 18, but you know what brought him back home? The assurance of the father's love brought him back home. Hallelujah. It you know, his need brought him to his senses, but the assurance that if he gets back to his house, he said, I will go back to my father and I will even be a servant to him. I will say to him, father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And he knew that if he would go back, he would be accepted. Hallelujah. Because a father was a loving father. He knew that he can get back home anytime, however far he had gone. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so you as a father, if you are a loving father, however far your child might go, he or she will always come back. Hallelujah. Because he will never, he or she will never find a home anywhere else. Your home can never be replaced by anything else. They can, you know, buy a lot of things. They can earn a lot of money. They can build a lot of stuff. But they will always, never, never find anything else like which is the father's house. But it's important that we as fathers build such homes where our children will always find a home only in your home. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So one thing that brought him to his senses was his need. But the one thing that brought him back to the father's house was the father's love and the father's heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. The father embraced him. And when he saw the son coming a long distance away, the father ran to him and, and embraced him with the arms of love and with compassion. He brought him back and immediately called for a slaughtering of the 
uh, the, the fatted calf and, and celebrated uh, and, and threw a feast and began to celebrate, gave him a garment, gave him a, a ring and, you know, and began to celebrate the coming back of his son. That's how the fathers have to be. Hallelujah. We as fathers have to be loving fathers. And we don't just watch news and read the papers and go to work and be very busy all the time. We need to give time to our children and love them and pay attention to everyone else. We shouldn't be paying attention to everything else other than our own families and our kids. We need to love them and love. And he forgave his son and restored the relationship. You know, the father initiated the restoration. He came, he went running and embraced him. He didn't say, you know, oh, you, you know, wicked son, you and squandered everything. Why did he come back? Get out from this place. He never said that. He immediately got his, you know, son restored back to his rightful position instantaneously. We don't allow our relationships to be distant. We must not allow our relationships to be distant and to be indifferent or to be broken. If there is a broken relationship, if there, if there is an indifference in a relationship, if there is a distance in the relationship, we as children must run back to our fathers and we as fathers must turn our hearts back to the children. Hallelujah. And God promises to do that. The last verse of the Old Testament finishes with that. Malachi chapter 6, sorry, chapter 4 and verse 6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children back to the fathers. Lest I come and, 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 and curse the land. One of the things that will protect the land and bless the land is the turning of the hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children back to the fathers. And so you as a son, you as a daughter, you need to run back to your father. Whatever might have happened between you and your parents, you need to run back. And you as fathers, you need to get back to your children and, and receive them with arms of love and embrace them and forgive them and accept them once again. Hallelujah. Amen. And God will bless our homes. So that's about loving our fathers. Fathers loving. And quickly, number two, fathers leading. The Bible talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 3. We already read that. Quickly, let's go back to that passage in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 3. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. You and I are called to be trainers as fathers. How many fathers here? Amen. Many fathers here. Amen. Praise the Lord for the fathers. Now every father is called to be instructing and training the children. And we already had, uh, um, Stephen read that passage from, uh, you know, Numbers chapter 6. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them only to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Teach them. Some parents think that, oh, children, they will automatically, they will all grow up. They will mature. They will learn. They have to learn by themselves. We should not spoon feed them. Of course, we should not be spoon feeding uh, in one sense. But at the same time, we cannot assume that they will learn the word of God and they will learn how to live life all by themselves. God wants us to teach. Amen. 
God wants us to teach. So whatever, uh, however tall your child might be right now, or however small your child might be, however big your child might have become also, or however old your child might become, you still have a responsibility to teach them. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't say, oh, they are married off. All my responsibilities are over. Don't wash your hands off. That's a big mistake. You might have children who are married. Don't wash your hands off and say, oh, my responsibility is over. I gave them good education. I gave them good food. I gave them, you know, I found a good job for them. I found a good bride or bridegroom for them. Now my job is over. They are married. They got kids. They built a house. Everything is over. Now I'm ready to die. No. Why rush? Why the rush? Some people, you know, have pronounced their own final, uh, you know, epitaph. An epitaph is what is what is put on a, you know, tombstone. They pronounce it epitaph on their own lives. You're not finished yet. God is not finished with you yet. Where are you running? Amen. You can make it fast to heaven. He will take you when it is time. So don't you know, run away from your responsibility. Teach them whatever age, whatever uh, we still learn. Um, you know, uh, I, I think my brother is married probably 15 years now. 15 years and I'm married, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's difficult to say. Nine years. Nine years now. But we still learn. We are still taught. We are still advised. We are still counseled. We are still disciplined. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's important that as parents you continue to do that. You don't sit and spoon feed. Yes. You don't, you know, sit and, uh, uh, you know, see whether they, uh, you know, what clothes they're wearing, what they're eating, what they're drinking, you know. You, you don't go behind them like, you know, taking care of a toddler. You need to also release them. And that's something that we as Indian parents also need to learn to release our children at a certain level. Once they know what is good and evil, once you train them up well and entrust responsibilities to them and approve them of, uh, uh, you know, who they are and what they can accomplish and encourage them and release them into the world to be what God wants them to be. Don't be, become control freaks and micromanage their lives. You know, that, that's, that's something dangerous. You'll be killing your child. You'll be killing the potential. You'll be killing the goose that's laying the golden egg. Alright, so we need to have a right understanding and a good balance in all of these things. Come back with me to Psalm 127 verses 4 and 5. Let's quickly talk about what it is to lead. Psalm 127. Verses 4 and 5. Like arrows in the man the warrior, a son's war in one hand. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the court. Hallelujah. They will contend with their enemies in court. You will not be going and contending for them. They will contend with their enemies in court. When at a certain time, after they've been taught and trained and disciplined 
and encouraged and built up to be men of God, women of God. They have grown to be uh, of the stature that God wants them to be and where you know they will be able to handle life by themselves. Amen. They will become strong because of the teaching and the training and the way that you have equipped them and that you have brought them up. That will reflect on the way that they live their lives. The way they order their lives. The way they are capable. And that's a blessing for the parents. Hey, that's a blessing for you. Don't think that your child does not know anything. And will never be able to do anything on by, by their own. They will grow up. And when they grow up, you continue to invest. You continue to teach them. You continue to equip them. You continue to instruct them in the way of the Lord. You teach them what is good and evil. You teach them how to apply biblical principles you know, into their own lives. Yesterday we heard a beautiful story of um, uh, how, uh, uh, you know, uh, about the man of God uh, whose son who was three years old asked his father. Father was a pastor. The son asked the father, I want a cycle. And the father said, uh, you pray. You pray, you ask Jesus. Jesus will bless you. He will give you the cycle at three years of age. And so the child began to pray very earnestly, very earnestly. And the child had a certain kind of uh, cycle he wanted, a certain color, a certain type. And so he was praying uh, and the father told him to uh, ask the heavenly father for what he wanted. And the child prayed earnestly. And suddenly it so happened on that, on that particular day, on his birthday, the father had already planned to buy a cycle and give it to him. But it so happened that a visiting man of God who came, so happened that he wanted to buy some gift for this child, a visiting preacher. So he bought a cycle. He didn't know about the child's prayer. It so happened that he went and bought a cycle and he brought it and gave it to this child. And that was the exact cycle and the exact color and everything that this little child was asking, was praying for. And so as an earthly father, he trained the child to seek the heavenly father. You see, that's how the training process happens. Hallelujah. Amen. That's how they learn in every situation in life on a day-to-day -day basis. In everything, when you have needs as parents, you don't hide them from your children. You talk to them about some of the needs that you have. Maybe it's a financial need and tell them, we all need to be praying for this. They will begin to understand. They will, need to, they will start believing in God for needs. And they will know that our parents are trusting in God. And time comes when they have needs, they will start trusting in your God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so children are heritage from the Lord. And verse 4, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Hey, your children will be like warriors in your hands. They will be like arrows in the hands of a warrior. They will be like powerful. They will be sharp. They will be, you know, used. You will, you will see them being so, you know, equipped well be, to be able to do things, to accomplish things. Uh, like arrows in the hands of warrior, children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. The quiver is uh, uh, is a pouch, is a sheath where you know they put in these uh, arrows. And the man you know who trains and brings up the child in the fear of the knowledge of God will have children who will be like uh, you know uh, arrows inside the quiver. Whose quiver is full of them. Your quiver will be full of your children, well equipped to be able to handle life and do things. And they will not be put to shame. Amen. Hallelujah. They will live such honorable lives because of the way you built up their lives. They will not be humiliated. They will not be put to shame. 
Amen. And when they contend with their opponents, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. The family is amazing. It's an amazing thing that God has created. It's such a beautiful thing to have children. And God will bless everyone who's waiting to have children as well. They are a good gift and a great support and a defense to the family. As arrows are in the hand, you know, as arrows in the hand are used, you know, for safety and for our own advantage. So are children of the youth, that is, children born to their parents. And when they are young, as they grow up, they will be strong and they will be powerful and they will be there to defend. They will be there to help and support you. And they will grow up to serve you by the time when you need their service. Amen. They will be there like pillars standing with you who will be there to serve you along with you and serve you when you need their service. And they will be good instruments in your hands where you can use them for good purposes, where you can guide them, you can send them, you can put them into situations where they will go and do things and accomplish things. They will be good you know, instruments in your hands where they will be as defense and they will be like arrows and where they will fortify you against the enemies. The family that has a large stock of children is like a quiver full of arrows. It's like a bag full of arrows of different sizes, we may suppose, of different capacities. Each child is different. Each one's capacity and gifting and talents, personalities are different. Each one's inclinations are different. Each one's sensitivities are different. Each one is sensitive to different things. Some are very kind, very compassionate, very service-oriented, very helping. And always they'll be asking the question, how can I come and help you? How can I help someone? Or some of them will be very, you know, knowledgeable, intelligent and capable and skillful and be able to sort out things and solve problems and find solutions and they will be very good in firefighting, damage control. You know, they can, they, they can be trusted to go rescue somebody, something, you know, suddenly. They can, they can be sent out at the middle of the night. So you will have different kinds of different shapes, uh, shapes and sizes and different capacities and inclinations. You will have your children and, and the, they will be like arrows full, your, your quiver full of arrows. When you have children trained in the knowledge of the Lord, when you've led them well, that's how they will be. Hallelujah. When you've trained them well, when you've instructed them well, when you've taught them well, when you've corrected them well, when you've disciplined them well, when you've loved them enough, hallelujah, they will be like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Amen. Praise the Lord. And when they are trained in Everything. They will be powerful instruments in the hands of the parents. There will be men and women of such character and maturity that they will not be put to shame when they are content with their enemies. They will take on life's challenges and beat them down. And they will nobody will put them to shame. Hallelujah. Isn't it? Wouldn't that be a great badge of honor for a parent, for a father? To say, my son, my daughter, went out into the world, lived is living this life and beating down the enemies and comes back without any shame. Hallelujah. Is able to overcome challenges of life. Is able to deal with the problems of life. Is able to overcome the evil in the world. Is able to you know, live such a righteous life that nobody is able to point a finger against them and they live a life with no shame. 
There's nothing that they are guilty about. There's nothing that they are ashamed of. They can walk with their heads lifted high. That's a badge of honor upon a father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. They will take charge of life and be victorious because they are built up with good character, established well, strong and courageous. When Moses died, Joshua took up the leadership and he led well. Hallelujah. Joshua was Moses' spiritual son. He was able to lead like Moses with courage and strength, overcoming the enemies. They won and they did not lose. Your children will win and they will not lose. In the battles of life, Joseph saves the whole family. Hallelujah. What a strong son. What a son of character. Was out there in the open. Was, came under danger. Was out there in Potiphar's house. Was tempted by the master's wife. Was out there in the prison. Didn't become like one of the fellow criminals. <coughs> but came to a position where he could save his whole family. Hallelujah. That's how well-trained children who are brought up in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord will live life. Let me give you a few examples of some bad sons and bad fathers, bad combinations or bad families, families that were not good. Eli and his sons. Eli and his sons. You know what happened? They were doing all the dirty stuff. And finally the sons died and Eli himself died. Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan was exceptionally good but because Saul's bitterness was so much and jealousy was so much that ultimately led to the death of both of them in a very, very bitter war. But look at some of the good father-son teams. David and Solomon. Man after God's own heart. Solomon becomes the wisest man who ever lived. Hallelujah. Amen. Of course, there were also later on where he went off track. Philip and maybe some of you girls are saying, what about the daughters? Philip and his daughters who prophesied. How many he had? All of them. Acts chapter 21 verse 9 says that they all prophesied. Philip was an evangelist who went to Samaria and took the gospel to the Gentiles. And here is Philip's daughters prophesying. Hallelujah. How wonderful it is. Would you as fathers take a decision this morning that I will be there to love Jesus first. And I will love my wife and my children. And I will lead them so that they will be like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And my quiver will be full of them. Hallelujah. And they will contend with the enemies and come with no shame. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let there be no disgrace. Let there be no shame. Come upon any son or any daughter. But may they be living honorable lives. In such a manner that you as, your, as fathers will be proud. Not taking a pride in the flesh. But be proud to say. The children that God gave me, I love them, I lead them, and I've done my best, and they're doing well. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can accumulate tons and tons of money and property, but if you don't love and lead them, even all the tons of money and property will all be squandered one day. 
Amen. The greatest investment you can do for your child is not to get them, you know, buy stocks in their name, buy properties in their name. Of course, that's good. Do it if you can. The greatest investment that you can make is to love and to lead them.